Oh, oh, one more thing. Just one more thing, a podcast about Columbo. I'm R.J. White. And I'm John Morris. On this episode, we'll be discussing Lovely But Lethal, originally broadcast September 23rd, 1973, directed by Jano Schwark, written by Jackson Gillis and Myrna Bersavisi, and starring Vera Miles, Martin Sheen, Vincent Price, Sean Barbara Allen, and, of course, Peter Falk as Columbo. And each show, we're joined by a special guest. This time around, it's Elle Collins, host of the Intuit Podcast, but before we bring her on, John, what happened? Let me tell you, cousin. Vera Miles is Vivica Scott, quite literally the face of struggling cosmetics giant Beauty Mark. A miracle anti-wrinkle cream could put her company back on top of the market, but skeevy assistant chemist Carl Lessing is holding the only known sample hostage. When negotiations for its returns break down, so does Vivica. She snaps and kills Lessing with his own microscope. He's not Vivica's only victim, though, as she feeds her chief rival's chain-smoking assistant a lungful of poison cigarette. Poison in a cigarette? What? Blend in Vincent Price at his unctuous, oily best, accentuate the contours with Bruce Kirby playing the embittered lab assistant Doug, highlight the cheekbones with a final confrontation at an opulent fat farm, then daub with poison ivy, and the result is a very pretty mess indeed for a very itchy Lieutenant Columbo. Thank you, John. L, welcome to the program. Glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, and and um, I'm going to ask you, like, how did you uh, first come to Colombo, as it were? Um, well, I was a kid. I was probably about ten when the the whole ABC mystery movie thing started. Right. Yeah. That all um, the weird '90s, 2000s deals. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't remember exactly how I discovered Colombo. I guess probably. I was with a parent or a grandparent that wanted to watch and I just watched it and then got into it. But I ended up watching all of the Columbo movies that came on in, in that run, or at least the first part of that run in like 89, 90 or whatever. Um, and uh, I also was into the Kojak movies, but that's for a different podcast. I guess. Oh, sure. No, we're going to do that one after we get all through this. We got to get through all 60 episodes of Columbo and then we're going to move on to uh, the Lollipop Guild uh, podcast about oh, Kojak. A- Damn fine name. Well Isn't done, it? RJ. I We're just did it. that. Yeah, indeed. Um, Thank and then, you, you know, Champagne. <laughs> later on cable, you know, I, I watched more of the older Columbos as they came on. And at one point, I even remember watching Mrs. Columbo. I'm not sure how that happened. It had um, to have been by a horrible accident, but yes. <laughs> well, I kept thinking maybe Columbo would show up. Is right. What I think was that's, that's also what NBC kept hoping people would think would happen to right. keep watching the program. And no, that didn't. It didn't happen, and people got wise to it, and it went <laughs> off the air, mercifully. Yes. But Mrs. Columbo did go on to uh, Star Trek, and now Orange is the New Black. So That's I guess true. Okay. And also uh, another connection uh, we'll bring up later on, too, that John uh, yeah, found out that I'd forgotten about. It'll bring up we later. can wedge it in. We'll find uh, well, it. Yeah, we wedge in a lot of junk. So this episode, <laughs> how did you uh, come to pick this particular episode? Well, I hadn't really watched Columbo in quite a while, so not knowing the episodes by heart, not having an immediate favorite episode, I basically just went looking for guest stars that interested me. And when I found out that there was a Vincent Price episode, oh, yeah. I was like, okay, that's, that's clearly the one that we have to do. And then I ended up loving so many other things about it that I'm really glad I chose it. It's, it's a very peculiar, creepy episode. 
Yeah. It's it's so strange. And I think it is. Yeah, it's creepy. But then it also is very like it's simultaneously creepy and a story about like Columbo wandering into this very like upscale glamorous world, even though even more than he usually does his interactions with rich murderers. Oh, yeah. No, this one, the class weird difference things are just very big and glaring in this one. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they've they've visually driven one home like this before because uh, this is in this is in my notes. And we can talk about it at more length later. But there's a number of scenes where whenever the the killer, whenever Vivica is alone or with one of the other characters, uh, this it's a beautiful shot. Like she's on a beach with a beautiful sky behind her. She's in this uh, gigantic uh, fat farm overlooking the sea, which looks like cool, uh, Xanadu. No, a, a reduce a reducing ranch. A reducing God. ranch. A reducing yeah. ranch. But when when Columbo is walking into rooms, he's usually in dark rooms, small rooms, small areas, hallways. Oh. Uh, when he, he wanders into the photo shoot, and he's literally walking through smoke for most of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's the the guy the uh, the uh, Swazark Swark. I'm not Schwark. sure. Schwark. 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 did a heck of a job directing this thing from yeah, the start from the start mm-hmm. the weird oh yeah let's talk about the start the opening sequence we don't often do that but starting from the very opening sequence where it's like these weird close-ups and colored lights and these these women where only their faces are exposed and these guys these, these only their sweaty eyes are... sweaty white guys in lab coats are aiming scalpels at their faces to scrape off skin cells it's so creepy. It's and, such and a horror film. Just to drive it home, just to drive it home, they talk about Doctor Frankenstein creating his monster. Yes, uh, right. Martin Sheen's character is like he's being kind of a cut up, kind of being sarcastic about it. But it's like, well, no, that's a, that's exactly the whole setup they're doing there. It's mm-hmm. ugh, yeah. Yeah, they hung a bit of a lampshade on it, but it it's like genuinely it uncomfortable scene. Yeah, and it gets even worse uh, when the one doctor Murchison has the shakes from being a boozer. Mm-hmm. Murchison, yeah. there, there's a there's a type of character in Columbo episodes I love to refer to as the poor bastards, and Murchison <laughs> is one of the prime examples of a poor bastard in Columbo. I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Just, just we're like, oh god, oh you poor. He's bastard. utterly, utterly like entranced. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the relationship between him and uh, and Vivica Scott is not laid out explicitly but he he is i think it's an oversimplification to say that he adores her or lusts after her or really has a romantic love for her because i i feel like the way that it was presented it was more he resents her oh this is gonna get but he knows but he knows where he knows where he sits in her life and he's kind of like yeah "Eh, that's Mm -hmm. my life whatever like that's kind kind of of what it is I, I hate to take this tack, but there's something that alcoholics do, and this is an alcoholic, uh, oh, which yes. is where, where uh, you really resent the only people who make an effort to help you. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. she's given him work, and like he's obviously a fuck up, and she could do a lot worse than get rid of him and replace him with, uh, I don't know, Martin Sheen, or right. really any other doctor. Uh, but she continues to to keep him around. She puts him on the cure at one point when, yeah. it, admittedly, it's convenient for her alibi. But, um, and so, what 
uh, his adoration of her might just be a sarcastic inflection of that level of resentment he has that she's the only person no, that reaching makes out sense. to do anything for him. That definitely yeah. makes sense. See, I don't think that's it, though, because oh. this is the thing about Vivica. This is one of the things that's interesting about this episode is that this, like Vivica is clearly a character who uh, controls people with her attractiveness. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that like Vivica's tragedy in this episode is that she has failed to get Martin Sheen to fall in love with her, but she has succeeded in getting Sean Barbara Allen to fall in love with her. And mm-hmm. she ends up having to kill <laughs> yes. them both. Oh yeah. Yeah. But then, but the weird thing with Sean, Sean, uh, Sean Barbara Allen plays, um, was Shirley, uh, the assistant. Mm-hmm. She seems a bit taken aback when that actually does turn out to be the case. Like, Oh, what? Oh, I took it too far. Like, but, but no, you were doing that. Do you, think entire, you think that was the reaction? Because you're talking about the beach scene just before. The beach she, scene, where yeah. where where she's kind of like hugging her and touching her, but Vivica seems kind of like, oh, wow, well, huh. It's like, come on, really? There's yeah, the I very think... last scene, she gets really close, though, to uh, to Shirley, and she starts promising her the world. Right, but no, then when, when Shirley starts right. reciprocating, it seems like Vivica is a little... Recalling like why, but yeah, I think that's yeah. probably genuine on Vivica's part. But yeah, Shirley is absolutely in seventh heaven. This oh yes, people. definitely. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like Shirley is strongly coded as a lesbian in all sorts of ways yeah. in this episode. Yeah, like the way that she's like, I mean, she's clearly wearing makeup as because she's a TV character. But in this episode, that's about makeup. Like as a character, she's not wearing any, and mm-hmm. she wears this suit with a turtleneck, and she openly hates men. Um, not that lesbians hate men, but right, you know, right. This, this was the TV coding, in the seventies. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, but uh, but one thing about her, um, constantly referred to as an inveterate smoker, yet she holds cigarettes <laughs> like a ten-year-old who's never smoked a smoke in their life. She, she she's holds- terrible at smoking. She looks terrible <laughs> at smoking, but they always talk about, oh, she smokes all the time. Oh, she smokes like a chimney. Like, no, no. She holds she's one, terrible at, one at smoking. In one scene, she's holding a cigarette like she's holding a literal cockroach. Yes. It's like, yeah. like no. she just doesn't want it to really touch her. You couldn't just pretend to be a smoker. You've seen people <laughs> have seen smokers. She does have uh, one other interesting uh, uh, peccadillo that's very early on when she's meeting Vivica in in, in public for the first time that it, that where Vincent Price is not tagging along. Right. And she's, co- she's pretending to brush her hair in the mirror and it's really girlish. It's very childish the way she just like lightly touches her hair and is slowly turning just the tip of the hair in the brush. Oh, oh, at the, uh, in the, uh, the, the ladies room at that fancy restaurant. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. That's the place. Supposedly fancy restaurant. The best they could do in the 70s. It looked more like a furniture store, but yes. It yeah. did. It did look... Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, I have to admit, I'm still confused as to what all the stores, what all the boutiques they went into yes. sold. Well, that one boutique sold $450 uh, jammies with horses on them, I guess. Outrageous. Outrageous. $450 for a, p- for a pair of clothing? Please. Well, no, but that, that dress did not look like it was worth <laughs> even like 450 bucks. That thing looked like it was... Yeah. It was like a kid's uh, the pajama thing from the 1970s. Yeah. It was really strange. It was never strange. really a good shot of it, but it did not look promising. But the one shot was kind of like, oh, really? You? I don't think I'd pay. You wouldn't Still, pay I 450 bucks in uh, 2015 dollars for that thing. They must have blown the set budget pretty quickly. 
I guess. Because you, you have not only that scene at, uh, at but it's ca- uh, I think it's called the Casablanca. Is oh, the that restaurant? What the fat, no, the Fat Farm. Oh, the Fat Farm, yeah, okay. It's called the Casablanca. And then they've got um, uh, the model shoot, which is admittedly on a soundstage, but that was a co- must have been complicated to shoot with all the smoke and uh, blocking off so much of it. So I'm sure they blew their their set budget pretty quick, and they were probably using whatever they could find to be a fancy restaurant or a fancy boutique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they they obviously spent a lot making uh, Vivica's office look like a Logan's Run. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I've got a note saying that uh, Vincent Price's office, I feel much more comfortable doing business there than in Vivica's office. Oh, looks my like an God. office. Yes, his looks like an office. Hers, yeah. No, the Logan's Run thing. Per, yeah, that's exactly what it was. Like, ugh, why would you want to? And she's handing out folders that say BM on them, or that's like, oh, that's not, <laughs> that's not good for a board meeting. No one a lot wants of to thought see went that. into that beauty mark logo. Oh know. my goodness gracious! Hey, we should we should really celebrate Vincent Price because yeah. I think he did. He was yes. a highlight of this. It's a very oh, good right. episode. It made me. It made me kind of wish he had been on an episode as a murderer. Yeah. He would have yeah. been even great. A, even a victim. I think either way I would have liked him. Oh, I think a murderer, definitely. He would have yeah. been great going a bit longer. Yeah. Well, even though he's not the murderer, and I don't think Columbo ever thinks he's the murderer, because Columbo's no. pretty clearly on Vivica's trail from the first scene where they meet. Right. But even though you know he doesn't really suspect Vincent Price, he does go to the trouble of like manipulating him into revealing his lies, I think just oh. for fun. Yes, because the way the, the way the way that Vincent Price does is like, oh, I know who that is, and then when he finally traps him with the phone thing, it's like Vincent Price pulls the old like, oh, I wasn't wearing my reading glasses, so yes, I do know this guy. Like, come on, right, it was and, such a clumsy lie. It was great. And then he calls uh, Shirley in, and she's like, I don't pay attention to men's faces. Yes, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, Price also has. During the uh, the first scene when he appears and he and Vivica are firing broadsides at each other. Oh, that's such a good scene. It's such a good scene. And I love so when he fun. says, I, and th- I'm dying that I can't do a Vincent Price voice. I know. But I, I really loved Save Your Ammunition, Dear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's just my secretary. That is, yeah. oh, and the, the look also that Vera Miles was giving Sean Barbara Allen, that appraising disapproving up and down look that really looked like she was just cataloging every way she could bring her down. But I mean, but that was a lie anyway, because didn't they have an established sort of business arrangement at that point? Or was that the first time you think, I that think that was, Shirley, you think that was the first time Shirley was slipping her inside info? No, not at all. Yeah, I don't no, think no. so. Yeah. Yeah. Previous interactions. So she knew who she was. It. Yeah. But I think yeah. that's the first time they actually interacted, but I mean, she had to do hmm. the full scheme, right? She couldn't just, meet you know she uh she couldn't meet shirley and then not treat her like a total stranger right so she had to do the right. whole like checking her out and getting ready to destroy her right, because okay. if if vincent price's character had not stepped in vivica would have had to start lobbing broadsides at shirley and tearing her apart right yeah just to maintain the illusion that's a well thought out scene that scene oh it is it's very well th- oh, this whole thing is th- this whole this whole story this whole script is actually mm-hmm. really really uh, well done this is yeah I'm this getting a lot of admiration stories. for Jackson Gillis he's done quite a few good ones so the thing uh, I'm gonna look yeah. up hold on uh, talk amongst yourselves look up uh, which other ones he did thanks IMDB <laughs> uh, um, L any, any other scene strike your mind well let's see 
since you were talking about the writer, I wanted to mention the director again, although I don't want to try to say his name. Um, Jano Schwark. I, I have it spelled phonetically in front of me. Yeah, I was uh, excited to learn that this is his only episode of Columbo, but he's the guy yes. that directed the Supergirl movie and yep, Santa yep. Claus the movie. And yep. Jaws 2. And Jaws 2, yes. yes. This might be his best work. <laughs> you know what? You're probably right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree completely. That scene um, of when uh, Sean Barbara Allen uh, and Vera Miles meet on the beach, mm-hmm. like that's just that setting, that, that location is amazing. And the way the car is just sitting there on the beach and it doesn't look like, you know, they're in Southern California, but it doesn't look like a nice warm beach that like you want to hang out at. It looks like no, it, yeah, it looks are... like a Jean Roland film right. or something. <laughs> no, there's a oh. lot of really weird. There's a lot of really weird, interesting shots in this, and it never feels entirely comfortable, which I think is right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. But yeah, that, yeah, that, that that's at oh, least on. one of two amazingly cinematic shots in the movie or in the TV show. Mm hmm. That looks like it could have been on the big screen. Um, what's the other one? Uh, uh, the pan throughout the fat farm. Oh yeah. Uh, specifically, also when Columbo is chasing Vivica through the uh, up up to the treadmills that are mounted between the colonnades. Oh, that whole odd thing. Yes. Yeah, it's a it's a lovely series of shots. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole, the whole, the, the idea that she has this weird, I mean, when they get to the, the fat farm, it's so strange and unsettling. It's like she has this entire sort of weird compound with people mm-hmm. wearing uniforms. And it's like this weird arm, like she has this army built up kind of. Yeah, or people, a cult. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, cult. It, yes, definitely. Yes, exactly. It's, and it it's like she has this weird. Too. And with the architecture, it's just like, what, why that? And the fact mm-hmm. that it's called the uh, Beauty Mark farms like it looks nothing like a farm yeah it looks like some unsettling kind of cult compound with everybody wearing the uniforms like and they hide people there it's like Ugh. yeah yeah what i think one of the things they try to establish with vivica is that she's she's alone she has a lot of lovers but she doesn't have a partner no right and the closest she's got is this drunk scientist who just kind of slightly being super sarcastic to her all the time and then out of nowhere she happens to have a compound full of 400 women and a dozen trainers. Like a bond, it's like it's like some kind of Bond villains compound actually. Like it was like the last three episode quarters, of Mad Men. Three quarters away you get <laughs> yeah yeah that too. But like yeah. it's like you get three quarters through some uh, James Bond film from like the 70s. He's like, "Oh, I finally get to where they're at." And you see like something like this where it's yeah, this vaguely Middle Eastern looking sort of odd architecture and a bunch of people doing jumping jacks in matching uni- I thought, clothes. I thought you were going to suggest it was going to be like the, uh, the, the curvy sixties bombshells in single piece suits doing karate moves against each other. No, but that also is fun. Yeah. That's very bondy. That's <laughs> yes, very James. Yes, bondy. definitely. Well, no, I'll, I'll, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I also think like, I, I found myself wondering once we get to the farm, like this seems to be a whole separate business. From yeah. Beauty Mark. And she has all this concern about, you know, that beauty mark is not doing well, but she's, she's gotta be raking in the cash just from the farm. A little bit. Yeah. Like I don't, that, that's the one thing that doesn't, that's maybe the one thing doesn't hold up for me through this. Like, Oh, the company's in trouble. Like, 
But you have this obviously very, very successful business going on under mm. it. How is that? Just get rid of the face cream and just do this instead. Open up a franchise of these across the country. Well, surely, I mean, first off, it's a, it may not be a case of the company not doing well. It's that it used to be number one. It used to be in everybody's bathrooms, and now it's losing that share. And that can feel the same thing as failure. Mm. You know, you can be 90% as successful as you used to be, and it still feels like failure. Well, I think also part of it, too, she threw a whole bunch of money behind this one product. Right. That ends up supposedly being a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other thing is that cosmetics and fashion and the, the lifestyle thing she's doing, it, it is a lifestyle she's trying to sell. So she can't do really obvious company saving things like maybe move out of the Logan's run office. Right. Get a smaller office. You don't need yeah. a giant office like that. Just You don't need to have your own place to do photo shoots on the premises. You can rent a warehouse if that's what you really need. You right. Know? You don't need a uniformed doorman who parks your car for you every time you come in and you touch his face. Yes. They had a very good relationship, those two. Oh, they were great. He was one of the most pleasant characters in the episode. He was always happy. Yeah. Had a jaunty little walk. Yeah. Oh, he loved it. It was dressed like the uh, guy from the Jeffersons. Yeah, it was it was nice. <laughs> the other thing that's never actually brought up about Vivica, but is so clearly there, is that she's this glamour icon and she's getting old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, definitely, like, yes. The, the fact that there's all this talk about uh, this miracle wrinkle cream, and it, she ne- it's never brought up that she herself wants to use it, but she right, clearly right. would. And then when she tests it out, she doesn't use it on her face. She puts it a little bit in her hand. Which, I mean, story-wise, it makes sense for the itching on the hand later on. But it seems interesting to me, like, that's where she tries it first, as opposed to near her eyes or something like they did with the the old um, uh, maid or waitress at the restaurant earlier on. What was that? Yeah, it was strange. Is that a ghost? I don't know, because (laughs) I'll tell you... If someone tells you, like, oh, yeah, something in your face, and they just rub on my face for a long time with something that actually feels like some kind of cold, wet goop, I'm going to be like, oh, what are you doing? What, what are you doing with my face? But that lady was like, oh, sure. Oh, thank you for wiping that off. Oh, but wiping you. something else on my face, very obviously. I'll return to my Victorian maid chores now. What was that restaurant? What kind of restaurant was that? It was like it was like medieval nights, except you ju- it was just uh, like set 80 years in the past. I'm going to guarantee you it's not one of the ones that uh, Louis Jordan was giving good review to. Nice. That was probably not one that was uh, on his TV show or anything like that. You're like, oh, we don't need him. We're not paying him the uh, extortion dough. Yeah, she also, the, the maid also walks off with literally just like a ton of that still on her face. Yes. Yeah. Just in like a clump. That's You'd wipe it off. Part. You'd wipe it off. You're like, oh, I got right. something on my face. Nice. Right where this stranger was touching me seconds ago. I guess if, if somebody said, hey, you have a little something on your face, and then they said, it's a smudge, looks like cigarette ash, and then they went, sit down. I'd be like, no, that's cool. I can just, like, I'd lick my thumb and get rid of it. Yes, that's all I would exactly. do. Exactly. We're literally 10 feet from the mirror. I can take care of it. Right, <laughs> right. yes. <laughs> right. Because, okay, so the camera angle was that you're watching them, but so then I guess the old lady was able to look in the mirror and see this person very visibly have a, a thumb full of white goop. She was rubbing in right near the corner of her eye. Oh, that, yeah. This, this poor beaten woman has had a lifetime of just having customers, so she just doesn't care. customers at that restaurant do whatever they want. Her. That's what you get for is, working in a restaurant in the fashion district. 
People are going to be rubbing things thing on your face. Rubbed on her face. Oh dear. So speaking <laughs> of inappropriate things, uh, Columbo going to the fat farm. Yeah. And hinting that oh, he should tell Mrs. Columbo about this place. Come on, Columbo. Yeah. That was, that was not a, cool. I, I wrote that down. That's not cool. Columbo. I was disappointed in Columbo in that. But it could be the no whole thing of Columbo to... lying like he always does to people about stuff. Yeah. But, seen, uh, but I didn't like it, though. I didn't but like to it. what end? What end would that have accomplished? It didn't ingratiate him to her. No. And he, he's already used the Mrs. Columbo tactic with her. Yes. It's always, it's always been she has a bunch of your makeup. And it's always, it's always uh, several times in relation to him talking about seeing her in the bathroom all the time. It's like, okay, we get the, he says that a lot in this episode. He, that one detective he's with gets really embarrassed about it too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Looks at the floor, kind of messes with his temples. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, well, actually one thing that was odd, uh, when he first meets Vivica in person, it's like, Oh, you're like uh, Lydia E. Pinkham. I like, wait, who the hell is Lydia? I looked Lydia and Pinkham up. Uh, she was a woman around like uh, the early 20th century. Uh, was the face and developer of uh, this kind of tonic alcohol uh, sort of uh, medicine uh, for women uh, for their monthly uh, times and whatnot. I'm thinking, like, hmm. why would you make that reference in a show that was that still well known enough in the 1970s to have some like uh, some patent medicine cure being a reference as a kind of a throwaway gag at a 1973 television detective show because Maybe i mean she I'm... was she was doing her stuff like a like a yeah the teens the, like the tens and the, like the yeah the 19 like the teens it's like but i i still, still i have well family enough? members who still talk about carter's little liver pills really you do yeah, wow. well, a lot of my family's from the south, so they're weird. Well, I know, but still, I mean, they would still they would, well, maybe they do down there. I don't know. I don't know. They could still that, sell. That's that's more than fifty years old. Carter's little liver bills. Yeah, I know, but well, by the time of this episode, the uh, the Pinkham stuff was at least fifty, sixty years old. Yeah. So yeah, I, I was yeah, that's, surprised that's to like weird reference. look that up. It's like oh okay, but then she's like oh like she knew what it was. Like what? Like if you were a TV <laughs> viewer watching television on a Sunday night, sitting at home. And you're a Curtis Mathis television say like, oh, <laughs> they throw in a Pinkham, a Lydia Pinkham reference. I get that. That's that's <laughs> hilarious. I know what he's talking about. Grandma used to get that. I don't know. It's strange. My favorite Columbo line in this episode might be the one when he refers to makeup as face grease. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Revealing his circus origins. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, getting back to Columbo, so the the thing with Columbo, nine times out of ten, is that he seems to really he at least fakes a genuine interest in people. Yes. Even even in the killers, that he'll fabricate being really uh, uh, avuncular with them. But he didn't seem to like Miss Blaine at all. Shirley, Shirley Blaine, like the first time he meets her, yeah, he already he okay. seems really put off by her. Well, she's not he's, exactly the most welcoming person to him. She's kind of, she seems like she's hiding something from the start from him. Yeah. Sure. But I mean, he didn't, he didn't really try to be, you know, he didn't really uh, try to grease the wheels with her. It just immediately starts with, I see a young girl like you smoking so much. And it just starts kind of nagging her about his, about her cigarettes. Well, see, I thought that, I thought that was kind of, he was being rather kind of 
pleasant and fatherly as, as sometimes what, what's your theory john i i i'm so nervous about mentioning it because i feel like you you deliberately use the theory incorrectly just to embarrass me what is it well no he's <laughs> okay this time he's it's, not trying to be the sexy dad he's trying to be like an avuncular, pleasant, fatherly figure. Yeah, he's, to try, he's trying to so adopt not sexy. A, he's being the father, a fatherly like, role with her. You don't yeah. want to be smoking those. You don't want to be. And she kind of accepts that. Like, oh, uh, she dumps the cigarette yeah. butts out. The 20 cigarette butts where she has apparently not learned how to smoke a cigarette properly. But yes. <laughs> it's not a big deal to throw away 20 cigarette butts. You don't keep those. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, thanks. I'll throw those out. Yeah, I definitely stopped smoking. Thanks, Lieutenant. Do you want to go in now? <laughs> Second he's through that door, she's picked up a cigarette like she's rolling an, uh, an egg roll or something and then picks she's... it up with like their last two fingers on her hand. Some you're, horrible using a way close, of Using a, a clothespin <laughs> 20 feet away. You like, know, eh. Columbo was right. Smoking did kill her. That's true. This is true. Yes. Of course, that Force, was only because Vivica went full Heisenberg on her cigarette. You know, yes, I wrote that down. I wrote that down. The uh, the Breaking Bad thing. Spoiler alert for what Breaking does, Bad. But yes, if you haven't seen well, what it, what did she? What did she put exactly in the cigarette? I know it was poison, obviously, but I don't think we learn exactly. Yeah, he that's just, a shame. Yeah, he he didn't give the exact. He didn't give the exact thing. The exact uh, poison. He did. He. Chemical. I remember he listed a bunch of poisons. Right, but he didn't on. give he said, it. They the, used to use yeah. right, arsenic and. Uh, what was the other one? Belladonna. He, I know there was a couple. Belladonna. Yeah, Belladonna. <laughs> yes. He's gonna make a potion. If you want to make, if you'll make a potion. <laughs> Belladonna, nightshade, eye of newt. That's what they Kill use to clear your face. I don't know. Oh, oh, I got uh, something I just saw. Uh, Bruce Kirby. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruce Kirby's in this thing, uh, playing yet another character who's not the detective character. It's Columbo. But he's playing a character who's not the detective character hates Columbo, but he's playing a different character who, oddly enough, does not hate Columbo. He seems okay with the guy this time. They always have Bruce Kirby playing a guy, no matter what, who hates Columbo, annoyed with him. This one, he seems okay with him. And I don't know. I still thought he seemed annoyed. No, I think he's annoyed with his job. He's mostly, he's annoyed. He can't make time with the models, I guess. Right, right. Because uh, <laughs> Bruce Kirby, he's a young looker there. Um... But yeah, he's annoyed by that. He's annoyed by being a guy named Doug who has to burn glassware. I've described I've described Which, him here as as the lab walla. So yeah, you know, if, I, if my name was Doug and my job was to burn glassware while wearing a name tag named Doug, I'd be a little bitter too. <laughs> if that's his whole his only job, he's so Huckin pissed Doug. about it. At least it's an easy job. You're just hucking stuff in an incinerator. That's true. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Which, by the way, another great shot in that episode. Oh, yes. Through the incinerator. Oh, it's a good yeah. scene. Yeah. Oh, and I was trying to tell uh, let's, okay. Clumsy segue from the lab to we have not talked about Martin Sheen yet. True. He's awfully good in this episode, I think. He is. He's very good in this episode. I, I, I wish he'd been on here longer. I wish he had been... In some other episode where he had more of... like He would have also been a good murderer at this time in his career, I think. On the program. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, not having seen this episode before, you know, in that scene, I thought he might be the murderer. Right, yeah. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, that's, yeah. that scene actually does play that really well. I don't know if Columbo's ever done that before. Yeah, where you're not sure which way that's going to go. 
And he drags it on for so long, too, because mm-hmm. she's willing to give him anything. And he keeps moving the goalposts on her. Right. And he he drives her through. She's furious with him. She's intrigued. She's flattered. Then she's betrayed. He's just given her absolutely everything. So it's no surprise that she snaps, but it also might have just been a really cold way of setting her up to get her murdered. So, yeah, it could have gone either way. Right. That's that's exciting to see in the show. Right. And also, mm-hmm. it's also that it, it ends up being one of the uh, murders in the show where it's not premeditated. It's just heat of the moment. She did not mean to do it because she is surprised when he actually ends up dead. Right. Which, I mean, yeah. you huck someone in the skull with a really heavy old-fashioned uh, microscope, that might happen. But, yeah, she is genuinely shocked when it turns out that she's just killed the dude. Yeah, which I thought yeah. was... Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting about her as a murderer is that killing uh, Martin Sheen is a crime of passion. Like, she's clearly not planning it, and she's surprised that she's done it. Right. But then when she realizes she needs to kill Sean Barbara Allen... Like, oh, my God. ...and calculating. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, so... If, if if anything, like uh, Shirley's murder is almost worse. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. All murder is bad, but Shirley's murder is kind of worse because it's to cover things up and she plans it out like a couple days ahead and she's specifically. Ugh. Yeah. That one's and, much more unpleasant. And the, the fact that she gives Shirley the poison cigarette and Shirley starts smoking it and that's when her she presence. starts yeah. promising her things and talking uh. about. It. Uh, she's right. going to give her an office right next to hers, and they're going to hang out together all the time, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Ugh. Um, yeah, so she's when, standing there while she's killing herself and knowing full well what the result of this is going to be. Doesn't care. It's like, all right, whatever. I can tell her anything I want to now. Yeah. That's when she says, um, I, I wrote down some of the, the lines that really reinforce the queer subtext in this episode. Um <laughs> One of them is in that moment, she says, when uh, Shirley is surprised that she has cigarettes because she didn't think she smokes, Vivica says, there's a lot we have to learn about each other. Oh, right. Yes, oh, yes, yeah. yes, 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 definitely. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then of course, uh, Shirley says, I won't ever tell anybody anything. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's almost, and I think that's right. What, so does she, does she give her the cigarette? Before or after she does the kind of weird recoil when Shirley's sort of actually reciprocating? I don't know. I think I think that she gives her the cigarette before that. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. She's like, oh, I won't have to deal with the consequences of stringing her along. Oh, I got to do a little bit. Uh, all right, sure. <laughs> Although I kind of drive off. I kind of felt like there were clues that things had gone further than that in the past. Oh, really? Like they'd had a bit of a relationship well, there's the whole thing. I mean, I know that Shirley is already her corporate spy, so all of this dialogue is sort of justified either way. But right. there's the whole thing about, like, you should come up to the farm again, take that same back road where we met the Oh, farm. right. Yes, there was that. So, yeah. Oh. Okay. And then there's there's also the part when uh, when Vivica's saying, oh, we can't talk here because Columbo's wandering around. And Shirley says, I bet he'd be rather curious if he saw us together. Oh. That's a good possibility. Jackson Gillis, you threw some things in there. Nice. You don't know that 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 might have been Myrna Bersavisi. Oh, could have been. Yeah, could have. Well, she did the story. She came up with the general story. Like, oh, I know. I, I just I just wanted another opportunity to prove that I could say that complicated name. 
What if what if that is completely wrong? <laughs> Viki, maybe it's Bear Saviki. You don't I'm know. Sure, it's I'm sure it's Bear Savisi. All right, positive. All right. All right. If we have any Italian uh, speaking listeners or listeners with Italian heritage who have a insight on how you might say Bear Savisi, please feel free to let us know in comments. Oh, I'm sure you will. Ugh, well, he's nipping at our heels. Oh, going back to uh, <laughs> going internet. back to Martin Sheen a little bit. So one of the things I like to watch for on really any television show is when they they have uh, any kind of brand name product and they have to disguise the name of it. Uh, so for like we're you know watching a lot of news radio right now and in the background of the break room there's always a can of Lipton tea that has the tea taped off. Oh, I think I know what you're gonna bring up. Yes. So it's lip on tea. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, the the magazine. Yes. That Vivica uses to write all of her figures on to try to lure uh, um, Lessing into giving her back the, the formula. I've never seen a prop so heavily marked out. Oh, the, it's, it's, it's the uh, Parliament cigarettes ad where just pretty much like permanent marker just scribbled yeah, I think over it's like it. Duct tape or something, but it's just yes. like can't show that, can't show that, can't show that, can't show that. It's just Probably. weird geometric shapes just. Like exactly where the name of the cigarettes right. brand is. Yeah, yeah, that was and the catch clumsy. and the catchphrase. The yes. catchphrase was also a. They should have just like open it to a generic page, right? And you wouldn't have had to worry about it. But yeah, so they had to, for some reason we're doing it on the cigarette ad on the back. Maybe that was foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but oh, yeah, most most marked I think I've ever seen, excepting that time on Bob Newhart when he was eating fruit brute cereal. And the prop guys had redrawn Fruit Brute. What? No way. I ha- I, I got to go find a screen cap of it because it Dude, kills me. Dude, I want to see that. Oh, my they, God. They, that'd be wonderful. They just like drew a mask on him and they like, <laughs> drew hair on him. That's great. <laughs> I can't remember. They, they, they put like a whole different label on it. But, yeah, oh, they had to completely so redraw Fruit Brute to make it work. Because I always wonder about that. There's that um, one you always see. It's always like the back page maybe i don't think you see it as much these days but in the uh 80s 90s a bit in the 2000s uh some fake gum ad you'd always see on the back page of a magazine somebody has some tv show or a movie where you see the sticks of gum kind of arrayed in a fan-shaped thing and there's trees in the background but it seems like it would always show up i can't i could i don't know what the fake name of the gum was but it was always like that same Gum mad. I always remember, like, is that an inside joke that prop if people would one, use? If one of our listeners happens to know the name of that gum or yes, movie that movie, fake... please let us know in comments. I know it was in a National Post Crucifixion. I know it was on a bunch of TV shows. But yeah, it's always like this weird uh, spearmint gum ad that they always did. That's an exciting digression. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so I'm that... oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, RJ. Hit no, it. no, please, you do. Well, I was going to say, there's one thing I noticed about this episode that struck me as really funny, which is uh, Vivica uses the phone a half dozen times in this episode, and the people she's trying to talk to are never there. She has the single worst luck with phones. Twice she's faking it. Mm-hmm. Once she calls, she pretends to call the cops when she's in Lessing's apartment, or Lessing's house, and she's not really calling the cops. She pretends to call her assistant when Columbo's harassing her on the photo set. And then, you know, really calls her when Columbo, come, when Columbo surprises her again. But also she tries calling her lawyer and the lawyer isn't in. She tries calling um, uh, uh, 
I forgot her name, Barbara Shan- Shonda Shirley. Barbara Allen's Shirley. 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 Tries calling Shirley. Shirley's not there at the office. And she, has, she manages to call back and gets Columbo instead of Shirley and ha- hangs up oh, the phone. Oh, that's, really that's a fun, hilarious thing. Because how horrible does that feel? Right? Oh, I got to call my contact. All of a sudden, it's, it's this little man who has been hounding you for a day. <laughs> like, oh, God. Uh, oh, it's got to feel terrible, which I loved. About how about when do you think Columbo figured it out? What's uh what's the scene? I think um it was when he's talking to her in the photo studio. Yeah. He had it he had a bit of a hint. And then but I think it's once he realized uh the makeup pencil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the beauty mark. And he's talking to her in the um in the photo studio and she's being kinda like, Oh well it could be this, why would I use that? Huh? I think he that's when he kinda knew. Yeah, I think he was like a little, a little annoyed with her at that point. Yes, for such an obvious lie. And then when he comes back and he hits her with the, I know why. I know how you put the beauty mark on. And then she just all her functions cease. Yes, she yeah. just becomes like a forest of a human being. She doesn't yeah. exist anymore. And it's great the the look that Columbo gives her is almost disbelief, like. Did I break her this quick? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, is she going to confess? And then she kind of does. She goes, Lieutenant, I, I do use it. And then disappears into a room and leaving Columbo kind of like, oh, that was okay. that was the fastest ever. All right. Now I just got to <laughs> yeah. fill in the uh, pieces and find out a way that this happened. Well, she already I'm- kind of gave herself away in in the photo shoot because... He's not questioning her at all. He's just talking to her because she's the boss. And right. then she's the one who says, well, you're talking to the wrong person because I'm a redhead. Yeah. Right. Like, like she reacts as though he's questioning her for the murder. But right. Gets defensive. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that scene, too, also has one thing I love about the Columbo episodes where um, you he's been doing the work before you like off camera. I was like, oh, yeah, I already went through all your personnel files, and that one was crooked, like, backward. Mm-hmm. That's the only one that was put backwards. Isn't that strange? Like, uh, I guess some people have access to that. She's like, well, I, I've got a key and a couple other people. But, yeah, but it's like, he, yeah, I think that scene is where he's pretty, he's got a good idea of which direction to go in for this. Yeah, As, pretty quick. Especially, too. I mean, this actually has some really good uh, Columbo detective work in it. Uh, using like oh actually the the scene with uh, Bruce Kirby, where he's like oh can I just keep this jar as a, a souvenir and there's that great cuts to the bottom of the jar having the octagonal shape to it so they didn't say that there's nothing that sexually said but it's like oh, okay so the audience like okay well that's exact shape that was in the bottom of the flower thing so he knows like that's exactly what it was yeah well he repeats the line when he when he was in the kitchen looking at the shape he went that that's what do you call it o- octagonal. Yeah, and then he he says that again with Kirby. No, I don't think he does. No, he does. Po- oh, I I'm thought he said it later it. on. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's a, it was very. It's a very revealing Columbo moment because when he's with the other cop in uh, Martin Sheen's house, he's just like he counts to eight and he says octagonal. But then when he's uh, in the lab, he's like, "What do they call it? Octagonal?" Yeah, yeah. pretending to be the idiot. Yeah, pretending to be yeah. Uh, by the way, I liked that other cop. I liked that um, sergeant or whatever in this one. He was always very polite about taking his hat off when he went in a room. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he was a very old-fashioned kind of looking cop. I like that guy. I don't know if he was on any other ones, but uh, he I felt I very dragnetty. Yeah. Yes. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. 
Right Did now I'm mind? watching all the I'm watching all the Precinct 87 shows that I can find, and he looks like he could have wandered out of that. Um, did not mind that Columbo's just, you know, banging a hard-boiled egg on a mailbox. Right. Showing up first thing. That's, that's one of the, that's one of your, that's a classic Columbo entrance, actually. Just showing up very tired, first thing in the morning, eating a hard-boiled egg. Not Remind me to, to try to put together an infographic of all the places Columbo has cracked a hard-boiled egg. <laughs> I was pretty, I mean, I'm already pretty grossed out by Columbo walking around with a hard-boiled egg because, Ugh. like, Columbo's already not a guy that seems like he smells really good. No, exactly, right. yes. And then he's just eating hard-boiled eggs. eggs. But then when he's holding the egg, he's already cracked it, he's holding the egg in his hand, and he picks up the lid of the trash can with the same hand. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's not okay. That and is has, not acceptable egg behavior. And there's no problem using a dead man's salt shaker. <laughs> True. To, to make his egg taste a little bit better. Ugh. <laughs> well, he, is, is this the episode where he says he normally carries around a little salt shaker? Yes, that, yes. Usually, yeah. usually has a tiny yeah. salt shaker in his pocket. I love that. I love the idea that there's just loads of loose iodized salt in his pockets. Oh, actually, there's, a, there's actually, um, uh, speaking of pocket stuff... Uh, when he goes to see um, uh, Vincent Price, he's looking for some piece of paper, and he's just going through stuff for such a long time. And mm. he makes some remark about like having to pay. Oh, like, oh I got to take care of that. Like he's just doing a bit with all the stuff in his pocket before he eventually gets to uh, what he has to talk to Vincent Price about. Which I'm, I, but that's one of those things where you don't know. It's like, is he really that messy, or is he doing that to kind of make the person underestimate him? Yes, it might have just been filling time, too, because I don't think there's a lot of filler in this episode. No, there isn't. Yeah. It's pretty tightly done. Yeah. Oh, and, okay, I think my notes, that same scene. Uh, Vincent Price, uh, where is it? There, There is one line that Vincent Price has in that scene where the way he says it, it's one of the things where, yeah, I wish I could do a Vincent Price voice, but this whole line is just like, she demands devotion from her handsome young men. It was such perfect Vincent Price intonation. She demands devotion from her handsome young men. Like, it was just like, oh, that was so great. We needed so much more Vincent Price in this episode. Yeah. It's a good episode, but damn, why why would you not have the most Vincent Price? From the start, from the start, when he and Vivica are just, like, sniping at each other at that fashion show. Yeah. It's wonderful. Like, oh, God. And then he pulls her aside for that for the fake concern. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. and he does that so well. Oh, it's so good. He's so it's unctuous. And it's just perfect. Yeah. Uh, I love I love oh, Vincent they're Price such so much. Jerks to each other. It's wonderful. I made his I made his hot dogs for Fourth of July. Wait, what? Did I tell you this? What? What? I, you know, uh, Vincent Price was a was a gourmet. Okay. I, wrote, wrote I have one of ser- his cookbooks. Oh, there you go. Nice. Wrote several cookbooks. I have his I have his record on wine. Oh, <laughs> where he just describes to you the qualities of different types of wine and how to select a good wine to go with your meal. That's an album um, they made for people to buy. That's amazing. Yeah. That's it's, crazy. It's really soothing. It's like one of the most like I can never mind it ocean be. noises. Yes, it's just it'll, it's very relaxing. But um, he he also has a recipe for his version of ballpark franks. What? And <laughs> Why? Uh, you know like. Um, you, you must. I'm sure you've been in New York enough to know, like you know, the the tomato and onion thing, the sabrette sauce mm-hmm. that you boil hot dogs in. He's got a version of that. Uh, chili sauce, soy sauce, pineapple juice, uh, garlic, onions, 
Um, I'm forgetting a few elements, but yeah, we'll, we'll put it up on the website. It wow. made, some, made a made a really good, very tart. And you boil uh, boil the hot. It's not a sauce you put on the hot dog. You boil the hot dog in that. You can either boil the hot dog in it, or you can you lay the hot dogs out on a roasting pan, cut them a little bit, put like little cuts in them so they can absorb whatever you put on, and you cover them with the the sauce, and then you bake them. Crazy. Yeah. Vincent Price took the time to figure out a way to make tasty hot dogs. Yeah, that's a world. Dogs. That's a world in which we live in. That's, <laughs> that's crazy. A world. That's so oh, crazy. Um, one of the things that's great about Vincent Price in this episode is that, like, the norm for Vincent Price, you know, when he's in, you know, horror movies and whatnot, is that he's this kind of creepy, sinister guy with this undercurrent of being like an elegant, fancy man. Mm-hmm. And in right. this, in, like in Colombo, it's reversed. He is the elegant, fancy man with an undertone of being creepy and sinister. That's a good point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, I don't want to turn this into to Vincent Price discussion necessarily. But, oh, that's fine. Uh, yeah, he. I would almost put this character, like, in the league with House on Haunted Hill, with his character from that. Because mm-hmm. it, it had that same kind of, like, this the slight maliciousness towards women... And the burning sarcasm and the, the apparent love of self and that he even sort of, when captured in a lie, backs off in the same way. So this, it feels like a return to that, which is a really rare character type for him to play. Yeah, that's you're really right. It usually point. goes it the other way. Oh, okay. Yeah, because otherwise he's just like flat out, I'm an evil man. Yeah, yeah. But this one, it's, hmm. We've um, got to get our Vincent Price voices down. <laughs> yeah. I also... Not. I'm a big fan of Vincent Price's 1970s sideburns. Yes. Oh yeah. Which I mostly like. They're in. They're great in this episode. I also associate them with his Muppet Show appearance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they do look really classy, and he's. It just does make him look like a, a really elegant monster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, but that's pretty much what he built his career on being. Right. Oh, it's so good. You know, speaking of hair, I have one note here, and I don't know if you'll agree on this, but uh, <laughs> I, I was describing Vivica's hairstyle. I did a few sketches of it to try to capture what I was seeing. The two words I used to describe it was hair chicken. Oh, wait, Because what? It, looks, it looks like a roast chicken. Uh, Just the shape of it. It's got that big, bo- it's got little wings on the side. I it guess. doesn't have drumsticks. I was thinking, I was thinking like a hair helmet, maybe. I don't know about a hair yeah. chicken. Maybe. So I, was, I called it a hair chicken. I, I was going uh, from that last uh, segment, if you will, uh, to, to go on the phrase elegant monster to talk about the uh, rough masseuse. Hey. <laughs> and take it that way. Who? That, that, who is? That, who is? John. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Anne Ramsey. Yes. I, I went and looked up. So here's what happened. Uh, Anne Ramsey, of course, is a famous character actress. She was in The Goonies. Um, I think best known, well, probably best known for Goonies, but best, also best known for Throw Mama from the Train. Yeah. Which is well, where that was I went. that woman? Yes, that, that was Anne Ramsey. No she's idea. The, she's yeah, the she was the rough like, one. You're a naughty boy. And and she, but she's trying to do sort of the same weird Swedish accent as the, uh, the blonde lady. But she's not quite as good at it. But yeah, yeah. Right. 
so the I couldn't remember her name. Oh, she so spanks him too. Oh my god, I forgot she spanks him too. Yeah, swats him on the ass. Oh good uh, lord! I hopped over to IMDb, looked up Throw Mama from the train to get her name. Saw Anne Ramsey. While I was looking at the credits, I noticed Kate Mulgrew is in Throw Mama from the train. Our yep. Mrs. Columbo, mm-hmm. as is Bruce Kirby playing a cop. Yes. <laughs> there we go. I'm going to, uh, I'll see if I can sketch out the expanded Columbo universe and try to find a way to fit Throw Mama from the Train into it. Oh, I'm sure there is. Uh, probably uh, Bruce Kirby's cop. Because I think he, uh, they're in Los Angeles, so could he's still in the force. Uh, he, he left He left for a bit uh, to run his TV repair business. I like to think that's his, tw- oh, no, and that's right. And then came back, and then came back like, ah, this didn't work out. I'll go back, I'll go back to being a cop. <laughs> His twin brother, Doug, of course, works at the labs. Oh, yes, definitely. His much more pleasant twin brother, Doug. <laughs> well, mom liked him better. Exactly, yes. I uh, I never saw Throw Mama from the Train. Um, I remember the cardboard standee at the video store. <laughs> oh, yes. I do, too. Yep. <laughs> and I remember her from Mystery Men, in which she was Ben Stiller's boss. Oh, right. Oh. Oh. I think her only line was Junket. At that point, that might be all she could say. She had to throw so things. She was one of those character actresses who, like, they were very happy to just have her yell two or three words and make that a scene. Especially yeah. after her throw mom from the train, like, it became yeah. a thing. Like that became that she got locked into doing that kind of deal. After that, eh, it's a living. Which you know what? I that's not a. If I remember correctly, however horrible and even more horrible that uh, Billy Crystal's gotten over the years. And good lord, he's gotten horrible. Um, that film was not. I remember liking that film. Uh, oh, I love that. Uh, yeah, film. when it came out, I liked that a bit. There's a lot of yeah. It's like a really nice little. Uh, the it's part of Danny the, DeVito's big arc of being America's greatest entertainer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I I say only half jokingly. Yes. I no. I I, I agree with you a hundred percent on that. Yes. Yeah. No, that dude is an underrated. Weird dude, <laughs> and now and now he just kind of like he coasts on that uh, drinking limoncello and getting drunk and being on weird yeah. cable shows. Last black and black. he's fine with it. So all right, there you go. Good for you, Dan uh, DeVito. But yeah, so to, so to try to get us back on the show real quick. Um, and oh wait, you know, oh, Dan DeVito's career it was it was going in the nineties two thousands. He would have been. Either a good victim or a good uh, killer on Columbo back then. I think he would have been. I would. Uh, put, I would have put him on there as a good one. I think, I think he's a killer. Him a victim. Victim. I think almost a killer. Getting all nervous think, and sweaty. He's so rough edged though. I think it would be great for him to like just be really abusive to someone to the point where they snap. See though, I like the rough edged thing going up against Columbo like that. But he wouldn't be. Would he be a rich, rough edged guy? Yes, somehow with he made his. He made his. Yes, he made he made his money in some weird kind of way. He was a guy from the wrong side of the tracks who made his money in some odd way, and now right. he's got to hang on to it. I think it would have been a crime of passion, kind of in the moment. Fight promoter, Can he murder be a fight promoter. Sure, fight promoter. Sure, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think I think that was well. You know what? I I think as as a, a bit of a basis for this, uh, his, his voice work as uh, Homer's brother Herb on The Simpsons. Like maybe a similar character to that. Could it could work? So there we go. That would have done it, I think. Anyway, so, uh, whoever yeah, gets the Columbo license, please feel free to uh, send mail to RJ and I to hire us to be your writers. Well, at the very and least, we'll get a story by credit. I don't want to get the, the plot out there. Yeah. We get tired. 
I'll have uh, so I wanted to talk about the actual ending of the episode. I don't yes, which I thought was good. Yes. I, uh, I enjoyed a great deal. I, the first time I saw it, I honestly thought it was a little anticlimactic because they had been in all of these big open spaces and traveling. I mean, they must have walked a half mile in the course of the five minutes that Columbo's hectoring her at the fat farm. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it ends up in this very tiny room with a single still camera. Um, I say tiny, but it's more like an enclosed room. Right. And the camera doesn't really do much else except stare down the room or stare up at either Columbo or uh, Vivica's faces. But watching it a second and a third time, that is a fantastic ending. Oh, it's great. It's It's very stagecrafty, too. Yeah. It's like watching a really neat play come Mm -hmm. to an end. Yeah, no, it was it was good. And the fact that all of her stuff was for nothing. Yeah. She destroyed this thing that could have kept her company going after she was in prison, even. And she just threw it away. Hocked it out a window. Yep. I love that ending. And even she just gives up. And she's kind of like, officer, just to call the cop in. Just to get her away from Columbo. To come in and take her away. I love that. And now the sea is without wrinkles. That's right. (laughs) Those are going to be the smoothest rocks along the Pacific coast. It's like Ice Nine, but just for cosmetic beauty. Yes. Yes. It's going to be like, oh, I, I, I went swimming uh, down, the, down the shore from the old uh, Beauty Mark Farms, and wow, I've, <laughs> I'm not wrinkled at all. I was in the water for, like, hours. So this is amazing. In a, way, in a way, she's the real hero. Yeah, there you go. She's helped <laughs> bathers. <laughs> bathers as far south as San Diego, and yes. So um, I wanted to say, now that we're talking about the end and the part when she throws the, the jar into the ocean, it, it occurs to me that we were talking about the first scene that has this like Frankenstein quality where they're experimenting on these women's faces. This, this episode is a science fiction story, literally. Oh, uh, yeah. Because the, the, like Martin Sheen and maybe with a little help from, from Merchinson, you know, they create this, this thing through chemistry that does not exist in reality and that everyone wants. And the rest of the episode is sort of a, driven by the idea of this miraculous scientific creation. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, it begins in that weird laboratory thing. And that last scene, the room they're in just seems like some sort of weird old 1940s monster movie lab room a little bit mm-hmm. with the weird mm-hmm. stone walls. It's all gray, the arches, there's medical equipment all over the place. Yeah. I didn't even think about it like that before. Oh, yeah, that is kind of creepy and neat. Um, and of course, the the first murder weapon is you know a microscope. Science murdered by science. Oh, two people murdered by science. Yeah, I suppose so. You got Heisenberg at the end. Oh, I didn't even think about it like that. Goodness. Oh, science! You terrible, terrible mistress! You. I think uh, that it for all the the value of this episode for how great it was. There, Columbo's um, train of thought to realizing the, uh, that the missing slides uh, were part of the case was maybe the most unnecessary stretch in the history of the show. And he goes, uh, yeah, was it my nephew showed me some slides from his vacation? I think it was a brother, a brother. I think. Bro- yeah, a brother and, like, and, and then I said, yeah. slides, slides, where are the slides for the microscope? <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> 
The yeah. mnemonic device that should remind you that microscopes have slides is a microscope. That's true. <laughs> you don't really need to take the long way around to be like, and the other part of the the thing that you actually look at with a microscope. Right. And he has the slides, too. He pulls them out when he's telling the story. Right. Oh, oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. With him just, in, just in case they had time to kill. Um, I want to bring up a to look at. thing really quick. Someone commented on, oh, goodness gracious, where is it? Ah, yes. Um, on our uh, last episode up on the site at uh, jmtpodcast.com, uh, someone named Jim uh, posted a link to something where someone went through on their website at columbo-site.freeuk.com and went through most, if not all, of the cases and tried to analyze if they actually ever went to trial, uh, how they would maybe turn out, which we brought up sometimes. Right. And this one, oh, where are you? Uh, California versus Vivica Scott, mm. not guilty due to insufficient evidence. I could kind of see that because it is kind of weak. The the poison ivy thing is weak, but she's so broken at the end. I think she's about she to probably confessed. Confess. Yeah, yeah, she might. Yeah, that's I point. actually was thinking earlier. I I think Columbo had enough to at least bring her in for questioning within two minutes of meeting her. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because she had right. no, no good alibi, pretty decent reason yes. to murder the dude. He Great had the, uh, the eyebrow pencil issue, which yes. seems to put her at the scene, or at least you know, likely could put her at the scene. And then he's got the thing about the, uh, the personnel file being put in backwards. That should be enough. Yes, And, and, and the, it, uh, her face on the dartboard, so he knows <laughs> that there's tension between them. Oh, yeah. Right, yes. And a container from her, very specifically from her company, was in the guy's place hidden for some reason yeah. or other. And it doesn't take long for him to get out of her that she had a relationship with him. Right. And that, that might match the, for, like they, we learn on law and order, the more ferocious, the murder, the more likely it was a personal connection. There you go. That's yeah. It. Speaking of law and order, one thing that occurred to me in this episode is like Columbo never really get, there's, there's not a lot of distractions. And I kept thinking like, if this was a law and order episode, Martin Sheen would have, two or three girlfriends that yeah, like, the cops would have to like, go and talk to. Yeah. yeah. One of them would be a waitress. She'd be bussing tables while they asked her questions. Down the beach. The next, the next one would be working at a toll booth and she'd be taking tolls while they're asking questions. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay, so overall, I'm going to go around now. Uh, Al, what you, you've seen quite a few episodes of Columbo with new, newer and older. Uh, where would you, where would you kind of rate this one? in your estimation of Columbo episodes? Um, I haven't been watching other Columbo episodes recently enough to really rank it, but I definitely really liked this episode. I would rank it highly just as, you know, it, as a, uh, a film about Columbo. Oh, um, and okay. it made me want to, you know, when I can find the time, it made me want to go back and watch more Columbo uh, because I enjoyed it so much. I the, the, the programming folks at NBC in the 1970s would be very happy to hear that, <laughs> I am sure. And the sponsors of the show. Uh, John. Yes, sir. How about you? Uh, strong episode, beautifully filmed, lots of great performances. Insufficient Vincent Price, but I understand <laughs> they felt the need for restraint. Um, I'm still really blown away by the sets. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure this is one of like uh, to praise it that heavily and then say these next words seems weird. I'm not sure this is one of my favorites. That's fine. There's so many of them. Yeah, it's like yeah, a- but this is it's a really good. It's yeah. a lot of fun to watch. 
there's a, there's a lot of elements that are so weird that it's really entertaining. So I'm going to give it uh, seven out of eight sides of an octagonal bottle. Oh, wow. That's almost the entire bottom That's of the almost bottle. the entire bottle, but it's missing a whole one-eighth. Oh, that's crazy. I, I, I had seen this one a while ago, and uh, watching it again uh, this past weekend, I, I liked it uh, much more than I remember liking it before. It's Yeah, no, I, I, again... It's not going to be fair, but you can't have everything in your top five. But no, I, I like this one. It's very fun. Like, if you were to take someone who had not watched a lot of Columbo's, like, oh, well, which one should I watch to kind of enjoy something and try to get a hooked on this? I'd maybe throw this one over because it's very strange and interesting. It's got a lot yeah. of the great detective stuff. And yeah, visually, it's really interesting and peculiar and odd. And it's got Vincent Price, and everybody loves Vincent Price. And they should. And it, it's a nice, it moves along at a nice, brisk pace. Uh, that one, I, for some reason, I'd remembered it from watching in the past, like, oh, this one's going to take a while. Like, well, no, this one, it just hummed along pretty well, story-wise. Um, so, yeah, no, it's efficient, does a job well. Yeah, and I like the ending a great deal because it's just such a frustrating ending for the murderer, which I, I don't think is an entirely bad thing. It, right. It's definitely not one of the ones where he feels any sort of sympathy, I don't think, for the killer. Yeah. No, it doesn't, he doesn't connect to her no, the way he does with her. Not others. at all. Because what she did was pretty terrible. The, it first was, time, it, the first time by accident, the second time, just cold-blooded being a terrible garbage person. Yeah. yeah, if he if she had not made this not done the second murder, I think she might have had his sympathies. But that one, ooh, yeah, that yeah, was that's that cruel. was terrible. That was terrible. Well, all right, uh, folks, uh, you should watch this episode of Columbo if you have the chance. We should also at some point and maybe encourage the listeners to do this too. When you mentioned a top five, we should put together some top fives. I, you know what? That's, that's not a terrible, you know what? Yes. Okay. We should do that. The next, uh, next few weeks or so. We will As do a that. listener who's wanting to watch more Columbo episodes. That's something I would, you know, like to ha- have at my fingertips. All right. Yeah. We'll, do that. well, the thing is like, I have not seen every single Columbo, so I don't know, but you know what? Well, As, just do it out of your, and experience. you know what? It, uh, it can be an evolving document. It can be a living document like our United States constitution, John, or, or a will. Oh, or a will. Yeah. Yeah. I, I prefer the constitution. Cause I, fair enough. Cause I'm a, to I fear, e- I to fear each his, to each his own. I fear the ice grip of death. <laughs> I do not fear freedom, John. Maybe you do. I don't know what your See, allegiances I, I are, thought, but yes. I thought, the icy grip of death was freedom, but keep talking. What? Oh my God! We just passed the Fourth of July. I'm so sad. Uh, this show might be at a crossroads. Brought it dark again. And All speaking right. of that, uh, thank you, Al, for doing the show. Um, if folks want to uh, find what uh, what you're doing, uh, where should they go on the internet? Uh, well, they can go. They can find my podcast uh, at intuitpodcast.com. Um, or just search for Into It with L. Collins in the iTunes store. Okay. And uh, you, you can also find me on Twitter at another L. That's E-L-L-E-L. Okay. Oh, E-L-L-E-L, not E-L-E? Uh, I'm yes. sorry, I'm confusing everyone. Okay, yes. No, E-L-L-E-L. Okay, E-L-L-E. There is no other L. Everybody, forget what I said. <laughs> just listen to what she said. That's it. Don't listen to me. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know from Twitter handles. Except ours. That's it. That's the only one I know. Anyway. Uh, well, yes, thank you for doing the program. Uh, if you want to listen to other episodes of this program here, uh, you can find us at jomtpodcast.com or in the uh, podcast section of iTunes, uh, where they're in the uh, TV and film department. Or if you want to go to Stitcher, 
or whatever podcast app you have, we're probably up there. Look for it. Just one more thing. Uh, if you want to get updates on the program and other weird things uh, we find and post on Twitter, you can go to JMT Podcast. You can use the same thing on Tumblr, JOMT Podcast at Tumblr.com, uh, where we'll post when there's a new show. But then John always posts uh, really great screen grabs of the episodes and his uh, further expanded thoughts on things, which don't always agree with mine. Double shock. Um, but yeah, go to those places on the internet. That's where you can uh, read about us. Well, you, you, you were still a little. I, I still think Double Shock was a good episode. You were still... Wait, was it Double was Shock? It? Oh, no, no, I'm thinking of uh, the other one. Sorry, Suitable for Framing. Yeah, Suitable for Framing, man. I love Double Shock. Oh, ah, okay, fun. never mind. Oh, Suitable for Framing. I'm sorry. You got to read the Tumblr someday. I should. I haven't seen it in a while. Actually, I deleted a post accidentally, and then yeah. I completely reconstructed it recently. But you know what? That's... That's making the sausage stuff you folks don't need to know. You just don't go you on about your lives. Anything. Just go on about your lives. <laughs> I will tell you about the thing I was did with the uh, the um, fake AP style book Twitter one time. We all had password. That was bad. I think. <laughs> anyway. We'll save, we'll save that for the next episode. Yes. Talk about a Twitter thing from five years ago. Yes. Anyway, uh, that's a program for this time around. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm Archie White. I'm John Morris. And uh, we'll talk about Columbo to you next time. Thank you. Oh, listen, just one more thing. Dressing them off there and take off your clothes, please. I'll be right there, too. Don't let her do it. Stand up, Stand up. Honey, they'll be taking over the world. Now, just stop them. You already have. I'm a policeman, and I'm here to see a Dr. Murchison. Oh. Dr. Murchison, policeman to see you. Oh, you're a naughty boy. And I drink too much, too. And you drink too much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You know, we've done you some good books. Oh. What a way to sober up.